Hi, and welcome to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast. I am your host, Mike Hendley. Episode 33, Star Trek, Zombies, and Procreate, with storyboard and concept artist Rob McCollum. So thank you for coming back, and welcome back. I hope you're doing well as we uh, get through the summer. Time seems to pass so quickly now, <laughs> and uh, we're nearing the end of the summer, so I hope you're enjoying it and hoping you have an opportunity to uh, take some time off and uh, get to creating. So I wanted to uh, thank all of you who've been uh, supporting the show by uh, rating it and, and sharing it with others. I want to remind you that if you've got a podcast app, if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll never miss an episode. So that's a good way to kind of keep on top of things. So with regard to supporting the podcast, I am launching a Patreon. I'm going to be doing that for the next episode. So I will have more details then about the various tiers and uh, ways you can support the show and allowing me this opportunity to uh, to speak to these wonderful people and uh, share my journey with you. I want to be able to continue doing that. So I will be looking for your support. So I will have more details uh, shortly and I will share those with you and talk it through. And uh, I'm hopeful that you'll be able to uh, to support the podcast moving forward. So I did a couple of pieces in the last couple of weeks. As, uh, as always, I always talk about some of my recent work and uh, some of the challenges and success and all of that. I finished that uh, chipmunk I was working on, which was kind of this play on a different, um, once again, working with graphite, but the idea of, of trying to establish a clear focal plane, which would be the, uh, the chipmunk's eyes, and then trying to uh, achieve blur uh, with the other elements in the drawing. And so I finished that. I, you know, I would have probably spent, I think, more time on it, <laughs> as, as with anything. You've got to say, okay, this one's done. Um, so that one is done. And uh, it was fun. It was a real challenge, especially with graphite and using my um, the uh, the Pentel Graph Gear One Thousand pencils to stay away from detail and trying to achieve that kind of blur with uh, you know the leaves from trees in the in the very far background and being able to do that on the branches and the fur and things like that. So it was a real challenge, but I'm happy with how it turned out. Once again, it was in my uh, in my sketchbook, and uh, I think I may do a larger version. And when I'm doing it in the sketchbook, I'm always mindful that you know this is just an exercise in trying something, and then at some point I will either replicate that piece or uh, at a much larger scale, or I will take elements of it and incorporate that into a larger drawing. So I love uh, sketchbooks for that reason. So I also did a hummingbird. This was based off a reference photo that I took, or actually a couple of reference photos. And uh, that I liked because this is a ruby-throated uh, hummingbird. And so the area right under its, uh, under its beak, its neck, is quite reflective of light. So I was trying to achieve that kind of reflectivity, but there was also a shadow being cast. And you start to see these elements in, in photos and in real life. And trying to replicate that in graphite is, once again, challenging, but I'm happy with the result and getting the softness of the feathers on the front and the wings on the back, which have a different texture altogether, and then obviously that uh, that branch. So I will include links to both of those in the in the, uh, the show notes. But uh, once again, I, you know, I love drawing birds and I love graphite. The last piece that I not finished yet, but was a, uh, is a toad. And, you know, I looked at this reference photo two or three times and I'm thinking, I just don't know. There's a lot of texture in here. And uh, for some crazy reason, I just started drawing it. I was um, 
I had taken my daughter to a dentist appointment and I was sitting in the car and I was thinking, I got to do something. I had my sketchbook and I just started this toad. And uh, what a uh, what a challenge and working through these different textures. So I'll provide a, a, a work in progress shot for you in the show notes, but it's I'll probably be done at some point, um, you know, this week as we go live. Uh, it'll be probably on August 10th. It's, it's cool. I, I think having kind of drawn this. I've, I've done a couple of uh, frogs before, but um, it's, it's always an interesting mix with the various types of texture that they have on their, uh, on their skin. And I just, I'm going to have to do another one. This has really been fun. It's almost like a bit of a puzzle in putting it all together and making sure that everything connects and you have the, the changes in, in elevation that you're reflecting with the shadows and the subtlety of, of, uh, you know, some of the transitions on the, on the top of the toad versus some of that almost like lizard-like skin that's under its belly. And uh, so that's been, that's been a lot of fun. So one of the things I want to talk about is something I did over the weekend. So we live near a, um, a nice uh, river here in Almont. And uh, so we have a few paddle boards and we go out paddle boarding quite regularly. I'll go out by myself or with my kids. So I was out with my daughter and we were uh, paddle boarding and she loves to just paddle out to the middle river and just sit, you know, especially when there is no wind, the, the water's like glass, and she just loves to sit down on her board and just float around. And for me, I, I can't do that. You know, the logistics of somebody who's six foot three kind of <laughs> negotiating on a paddle board is always a challenge. And uh, I don't like necessarily sitting still. I prefer kind of being near the shoreline and looking down and seeing the fish and the turtles and all that kind of stuff. So what I did this time, though, is I brought a sketchbook, I brought a small set of watercolors, and I brought my water pens, or uh, sorry, water brushes. And I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on the board and paint. And that's exactly what I did. So I, I have this little seat, a little foam seat that we used to have in a canoe. And so I brought that to kind of support my back a little bit. So we paddled out to the middle of the river and I uh, folded up the seat just to kind of support my lower back, and I sat down, which was a bit of a negotiation <laughs> going from a standing, which is which is fine. I'm I'm fairly adept, I think now, although I've fallen many times off the board, uh, to move from the standing position down into a seated position versus kneeling. And so I got into that and uh, pulled out the sketchbook, pulled out the paints, and started uh, sketching. And then I went into using the watercolor and and blocking things in. And it was wonderful. It was, it was almost a meditative experience being out there. It was a sunset, and uh, you could see the sky changing. And you're so, you know, when you're painting it, you're so aware of how things are changing because you start off blocking in the clouds and the trees, and then the sun starts dropping from the sky, and the colors start changing. And then you're mindful of that because you're thinking, I have to modify my palette a little bit. And I didn't finish the piece, but I was just so. I was just so there. I was so connected to that experience. And uh, I, I'm really, I came away from it thinking, I got to do more of this. Not just plain air painting, but challenging where I do plain air. And, you know, doing it on a paddleboard was just, you know, there's no one that's going to look over your shoulder. Uh, you're disconnected from everything else. You are the center. You are at the center of what you're doing. And it was cool. And so I think I'm going to do that again. I'm probably going to do it again with watercolor, but I was thinking maybe the next time I'm going to actually use water-soluble graphite. And I think that would just simplify the package I bring with me. 
And I've been wanting to do a complete piece in water-soluble graphite. And obviously, I'm surrounded by water, <laughs> so that's helpful. But um, yeah, so it's uh, I, I'm looking forward to doing this again. And you know, we're, th- this river is about uh, I don't know 10, 15 minutes from my house, and so we're there quite often. And now I've got this opportunity to pack. Um, there's these wonderful bags, and you can just put all your gear in it. And uh, so I have a separate one just for the painting stuff in the sketchbook. My biggest concern was the board gets wet, and so I was worried about dropping my sketchbook on the uh, on the board, but. It was uh, it was cool. So I'd recommend if you're doing plein air, think about ways you can do it. And uh, the, the reason I actually did this was because I'm part of a plein air group in Ottawa, a Facebook group, and we meet every couple of weeks through Zoom. And uh, one of the one of the members posted a picture of uh, Salvador Dali uh, sitting in a river. I think it was either Rome or Venice, and he was painting. And I was thinking, that's a cool idea. Wait a second, I have a paddleboard. And so it's just wonderful to be to, to see this kind of thing, and it triggers an event that turns into this wonderful experience. So that was pretty cool. So that's it for updates. Uh, so let's head into the interview. You'll remember my guest this week from episode 16 of the podcast. In that episode, Rob McCollum and I explored his early days, his tools, and some of his projects. I invited him back to talk about the impact the pandemic has had on his role as a storyboard and concept artist in addition to some of his recent work, including Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, which is starting October 15th. We also talk about drawing zombies and his upgrade to the iPad 2020. We also touch on what it means to be an artist with all the pressures of social media. And welcome back to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast, Rob McCollum. So, well, hi Rob. How are you doing? It's been, uh, it's been a few months since we last spoke. An interesting few months, yes. <laughs> Yeah, who would have thought that if we talked about where we are now in December, oh. that we would either of us would have believed it, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah, you didn't really see that coming. Yeah, it certainly has not made things dull, really. You know, it certainly changed almost everything. Yeah, glad to be here. Nice to talk to you again. So I thought we would cover a few things. The one thing I wanted to maybe start with is. What have you been working on and, and maybe uh, how has this COVID-19 impacted you professionally? Like, you know, with thing, everything yeah. shutting down, how did that change for you? And, and, you know, that probably came around March, I think, maybe March, with everyone Mar- else? It was, it was around March break because um, I, uh, I was just finishing up on season three of Discovery, Star Trek Discovery. Um, I had basically I finished on that a year to the day from when I started it, which was all about the, the whole season's a bit of a blur. I can't talk about it, but it's coming on TV in October. So yeah, I, that was the first trigger. It was like I got to get Rob on because I just saw it yeah. announced this week, and I was thinking I'm just going to pepper you with questions. But I know you're an under <laughs> under an NDA, and I know the episode that the season's going to be awesome. So I yeah, no, it's, it's, it was a, it was a lot of fun to work on. Um, but uh, yeah, I just finished that. I was doing two TV pilots which I don't even know if I can talk about their names, but I was doing two TV pilots and I was doing, uh, I just finished doing those and then I was starting up a couple of days doing some creature design for a VFX company. And then I was going to go on a week's holiday with the family. We were going to, we started off, we were going to go somewhere far away and then as the virus started ramping up a touch, we started getting closer and closer and then we were just going to go to Montreal for the March break. And then, uh, and then everything shut down. I think on the Friday, so we cancelled. Uh, we didn't go anywhere. We cancelled everything. 
you know, and they were, the government started telling people that are going away for March break to come home or you might not get back into the country. Right. And uh, and then it started blowing up in a few cities. So it, it, was, it was not the March break or the relaxing time that, that we had all really planned for, you know, with daddy being back in the family life again. <laughs> but um, yeah, so every, absolutely everything shut down. And uh, to be honest, it was it was I quite enjoyed it in the beginning because I haven't had proper time off for years. I feel like I say this quite often, but I end up just like you you know you start working on something and then something appears almost as soon as you're finished that, and then you're just kind of there is a, a real roll-on effect that can happen sometimes, which I'm never complaining about. It's nice to be busy, but. I I was liking the time off, I have to say. And it was a guilt-free time off because it wasn't like, oh, I should be trying to find something because there literally was nothing. I know this is going to seem maybe uh, a, a touch uh, a touch strange or... I really needed a break. But then, you know, the homeschooling came in with the kids and, and everything like that. And then, that, you know, you were working again. It wasn't, it wasn't like time off anymore. It was trying to chase kids up to get their homework done and stuff like that. Right, so the, when production shut down, um, it it was regardless of how you worked. The fact that you work remotely didn't really matter. They just shut down everything, right? Yeah, they just closed everything down. I know that there's some people kept working on stuff in the hope that it would it would you know have a date to start up again. But then when it became clear that this wasn't going to be like just a couple of months, and then it was life as normal. Mm. Then, uh, then they all ended up shutting down as well. There are, I know there are people that did, especially for what I do, um, doing storyboards and concept stuff, that did keep working. That seemed to be quite rare. There was a lot of people I knew just were doing nothing. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I, I mean, it's a challenge, right? It's because you can't, it's not just your work, you can't operate your life, like going to get groceries and everything else. It just... Yeah, yeah. David, the, the whole figuring it out thing, the buying the first masks was the fun part. Because um, we ordered so many masks, and then it literally took months for the first set to appear, and then yeah, so that was fun. And then working out online groceries, and uh, everybody was working it out. Well, that's the thing that the entire country, probably the entire world, was trying to work out right. How do we work around this? Mm-hmm. And um, I, th- I, mean, I think now people are just think, no, right, we've got it, we're fine. You know, we we know how to do this, and it's kind of. I, I think it's kind of loading uh, people into a false sense of security a wee bit, and they're getting a touch lazy, especially in some places in the world. At what point did you start working again? Um, you know, where, st- where work started to come at you, and um... all the way through it, I kept you'd, you'd get somebody that got in touch, um, and then it just went away. That was the thing. It was like uh, you know, like a producer wanted to have a meeting, and then something comes up, and then they said no, you know, and then it just kind of goes. And you don't bother hassling people. You don't bother saying, "Are you still wanting to do that?" Because you know they'll they'll, they'll come to you if they did. Um, but there was a lot of inquiries, um, maybe maybe about usually spaced about a week apart for a good couple <laughs> a good couple of months, and then um, you know, and I would say, "Yep, yeah, sure, yeah, let's talk and stuff." And then it just it just kind of goes away. Or and one thing from a this this daytime TV show in Britain, they usually did uh, kind of like actors recreations of incidents or something like that, and they wanted it storyboarded. Yeah. And I said to them, "You do know that I'm in Canada," and 
an email came back about an hour later going, oh yes, we were fully aware of that. Yes, we were totally aware of that. And then they just never got back in touch. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they were. But um, but I started working about a month ago again. And, and even then it's still like baby steps. And there's, there's, Since about four weeks ago, there has been a lot of emails from quite big things trying to start up again and just seeing if you're checking availability and stuff. Did you feel that uh, that time between March and a month ago, um, like, were you still drawing every day? Were you still, yeah. I mean, you're at a point in your career that, like, do you worry about getting rusty or things going away? Or is it just a habit for you that you would still draw? It's, and it's weird. And... I didn't used to draw at all in any way after work. It was like, you know, the my, the, the old, the old, it's old to me anyway, I don't know if it's old to everyone else, but you know, the old thing of if you're a plumber, you don't go home and stare at the sink. You know, it's like if you draw all day, you have a wee bit of a rest after it. But I found um, since I started drawing digitally on the iPad, then I actually do just sit and doodle and sketch. And it kind of takes me back to when I was like at art school and before that, when I used to actually enjoy drawing. It's kind of, I'm glad I have started drawing again, to be honest, because it does... You know, you, some days you do it, you sit down and you have nothing to do. And it's, it's cre- creative, um, creatively, it's hard to draw when you are actually just stuck indoors all the, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and there's nothing, you know, obviously your brain does suck in certain elements of the outside world when you're out and about and it can fire things off in your brain and you can kick off ideas and stuff. But the same four walls, I started drawing my dreams a wee bit in the beginning. The, the, the dreams were nuts. And I know, I know. I've seen a lot of people talking about this online about how crazy yeah. the dreams are. Mine were like finely edited body horror films. That were like, <laughs> it was terrifying. I've got one of them that it's like I'm, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to do something with it because it was truly terrifying, but in a more kind of disturbing way. Um, but yeah, I started kind of drawing that, and then I started. Uh, the, the, I found this, I found this old drawing that I did ages ago where I drew a spaceship into the valley of Glencoe, and it was very painterly, like I painted the whole valley and stuff like that from a photograph. And one of the concept art things that you do is, uh, you're often asked to do is to add stuff to photographs. So like add like a, you know, like a, a house or something like that, or, or remove the trees and things like that. A lot of concept art can be photo editing a lot of the time, but, um, I thought, yeah, I'd try drawing some spaceships into stuff. And uh and, and I just started doing that. You you know, adding big and people seemed to like it. I was started posting them online and I was getting getting more likes than I probably have for a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's never the stuff you want to get likes, but anyway, that was okay. Right. Um so I start yeah, and as I just started asking people if they could, you know, if I could use their use their holiday photos to stick a, a monster or a spaceship or something into. That was kind of keeping me sane for a while. Those were fun. I um, I really enjoyed those. I mean, it's it's great to see somebody bringing something alien, <laughs> truly alien, <laughs> into what we think of as a, as a beautiful photo to begin with. And just, um, especially the fact that you not only brought in these spaceships and, and were able to, to figure out the lighting and the reflections and everything else, which was brilliant, but um, that you posted the videos as well. And so we could see that progression through Procreate. I mean, Procreate has that yeah, built in, but yeah. the fact that you shared that was, it's really cool to see somebody who has your experience um, and, and how you approach it and 
resizing and moving and turning and oh, adding light. Yeah. And it's that's what you get for starting something without any idea of what you're going to do <laughs> before <laughs> you actually do it. Um, a lot of the time, I would just go in there with a shape and see what shapes would work with the rest of the the landscape, mm-hmm. um, and then just pull it around. And often it was wasn't working until maybe about the last ten minutes, and then I would just completely. The, the great thing with Procreate is, I mean, as well as it recording everything, you have so much control over what you can do, and it doesn't really um, affect the the definition of the, the drawing. So the liquify tool is phenomenal. So you just use that and just kind of pull things around and right. see see what happens. Happy accidents are great when they, when they work. Sometimes they don't work, but you've got to just start messing with stuff to see, you know, to actually allow it to maybe work, you know. And do you, when you're working on, for example, those photos, like how many layers do you normally work with? I mean, if you... You know what? Usually when I'm working on a job, I'll, I'll, I'll max out all the layers. I'll absolutely oh, really? max out all the layers, like for whatever the, the size of the photo is, you know, because Procreate has a maximum amount of layers, depending right. on how high res the thing is. With those ones, it's usually maybe two or three layers, um, okay. because what I do is for this, I do a lot of shading for it. So I end up, um, it's just, it, basically it's as close to a proper painting as I, as I think I usually do, because um, they usually take maybe about half an hour, maybe 40 minutes, I think, maybe an hour and a half is the longest one I did. But you just get stuck into it, and you're using, the trick The trick with getting, so here's a, wee, a concept artist trick, which some of you might know, but some of you might not. When you're going to be painting over a photograph, Try as much as you can to take the colours from the photograph hmm. uh, because then that way it looks like it matches. You know, there's one or two of them that I've gone in with and stuck like bright orange stripe down the side of the spaceship. But <laughs> that that can also work as well, you know, because you're just, you're sticking something different in there that draws the eye and, and things. But um, so, yeah, basically I'm just slapping a whole bunch of colours from the, from the photograph together and trying to make it look in a, a, as, as cool a spaceship shape as I can, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sometimes I, I don't post, I, I just don't post the ones that don't work. Some of them are abominable. So <laughs> <laughs> and when you're, when you're doing spacecraft, um, and so this is something I've played with a little bit, but it's, I, I'm probably looking at it the wrong way, but do you think about, you know, how would this, mechanically work like how many engines does it have no you think about no okay (laughs) no No, (laughs) i don't you know it's for things like that i'm just trying to make nice shapes and then make it look like yeah that's probably a spaceship but there's another one i did that was basically just like a big rock but a glow at one side of it for stuff no no for stuff like that that's too much that's too much brain work i'm just basically pure painting on that because it's just meant to relax me that was the whole point of doing them um and and if i put too much thought into where would the bridge be i just like no i'm just like there's a pop out a window there does that work no I'll put it further down <laughs> see what works you have to do that with a job you have to you have to have rationale behind things um for a job but that wasn't a job that was me trying to stay sane when i wasn't allowed to leave the house and, and so if we're looking at jobs in the, the whole concept, so if we apply that to the work you actually do, mm-hmm. and you know, if we're looking at, um, and we won't talk details, but let's say we look at Discovery, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're building a ship, 
when you start doing that, is it the same kind of process? Initially, you start these organic shapes and this this sense of where things are, and then is there that process later on, but where it's like, well, we have to consider that this is where the shuttle bay would be, and this is where the engines would be, and this is where the bridge is. And does that kind of detail, as it relates to the storyline, does that come into a conversation you have with people to say, we love your shape of the ship, but can you describe how things would sit, or we w- we want this, or we want that? Well, on Discovery, I was just doing storyboards. Um, I would love to have had a go at spaceships, but the people out there who's that, that's that's their job that's to what do they spaceships, do. yeah. But I mean, for, for other things like that, um, there's you know, say you say you you design, yeah, say you're designing like a you know a helicopter or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. um, hell, you know, maybe a bad example because helicopters tend to have the sim, you know, similar sort of design features. But if you if if you're doing anything like that, any anything you do has to kind of have a reason for the story. Um, everything. I, mean, I remember a, a, a prop a prop master telling me once about how much work goes into choosing a watch for one of the characters, because it you know you don't have a long time to explain someone. So if you can even like subliminally show that they've got a really fancy watch or there's something special about their watch, it says a lot about them as a character for wearing it. So it's right. it's, it's the same when you're designing stuff. Um, I did design the in season one. I did design the uh, the kind of planter drone things that came down and and, and propagated the planet with fungus, uh, um, and that was I was told try and make this a similar sort of design language to the. I just remembered I did that. Sorry, I forgot. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Uh, use a similar design language to the discovery, um, and. Uh, so I, I tried to kind of do that, but then you've got to make everything kind of work. So I did manage to do it in three stages where it became a kind of pod thing and then it burst open and then it was more kind of functional. So it was, it was kind of cool looking shape and then it burst open to the second layer after going through the atmosphere and it was more kind of functional, um, where it was more like a kind of like spike with a, a, a disc at the top of it because it was mm-hmm. basically meant to plop down into the ground and then open up and then plant the thing and uh, right, yeah, they look just like that actually. So yeah, I mean, there's always a functional element to it, but if you can make it look cool, then that's nice too. So most of your work on Discovery's a storyboard artist. So in yeah. in that way, you're working through the scenes um, and building out the scenes versus the concept artist yes, who would be yes. who would be doing a ship or an individual. From different profiles, different angles, yeah, and yeah. developing then, that component. But at, at some at some point, you end up working together where y- you see their concept art. Do you get yeah, that yeah, be- yeah. beforehand? Like, is the concept art always done in advance of the storyboard, or or is are they are they both mod being modified over time? Um, they're they're always changing. To be honest, okay. <laughs> um, sometimes when you see the finished result uh, on TV, you're like, oh, that's interesting. But I see why they did that. You know, because right. it will be along the lines, but obviously something changed when the VFX guys were doing stuff and things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, there's there's a lot of concept artists on uh, on Discovery um, all over the place, and uh, yeah, no, everything gets shared amongst everyone, and it kind of informs. Every, you know, it's it's a lot of work on that show to keep up with what what's going on and what thing. You've got to give a good wee while every day. Just to go through all the new artwork and and make sure that you're up to speed because 
things change quickly and if you and if you miss something from the like two days earlier and it's changed overnight and you're busy drawing something else that means it won't work anymore so you've got to you've, got to, you've really got to keep up with it and do your homework but yeah no every everyone everyone informs everyone else on it that's that's the kind of cool thing about working with such a a, a great creative team like that and is there is, is it a large team are we talking a hundred people uh, no, you no, know that you no. deal with or is it just um, I probably deal with about twenty or thirty people to varying degrees. Um, all the all the concept artists, and so you've got to keep an eye on what they're doing. You've got to keep an eye on them. <laughs> <laughs> and do you do you continue your work right into production? Um, you know when they start doing the VFX stuff and all that. Like, are you involved right through the whole process? Um, I, I I usually I start usually uh when when prep begins when the art department begins. And then uh, I think I think I actually finished. It was it was actually after they wrapped, I think. So after after all of filming was finished, mm-hmm. I was still doing VFX stuff, um, VFX storyboards for what the director wanted. And so here's a here's a question you you can choose not to answer. <laughs> okay. Do you always watch your finished work? Like, will you be watching every episode as they start in October? I will always watch Discovery. Um, because yeah, it's it's so much. I'm so involved in it. It just you just want to see the did it come out like you know how how did it turn out in the end? Because no matter what you storyboard, there's always going to be changes that are made um on set. If it's something that is pretty well planned and has to be done like that, because there's so many departments involved, like the the finale of season two was pretty much exactly like I drew it. But that's because they it was so complicated they had to know exactly what every department had to know exactly what to do. So it came out looking exactly like I drew it, which was lovely. But then you got other stuff that is uh, it's, it's always it's always so interesting to see it because you're like, right, why did they change that there? And then you work it out and you're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that, that worked really well. I mean, not that I'd be offended because I mean, you know Yeah. The director has the final say always. Yes, yeah, so I haven't. There's, there are there are some films that I've worked on that I haven't watched, just because I'm not. <laughs> we, uh, we won't call them out. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's some that I'm like I'm never watching that. I was going to ask you when you're watching something like Discovery. Do you? I imagine that's me must be a challenge because I love the story. Like the finale was amazing for season two, um, and you know the fact that you got a part of that just blows me away right like it's it I, too, I just actually. love that series <laughs> but when you're watching that how hard is it to stay in the story they're telling versus looking back and saying huh they i guess they did pull that one off or whatever yeah right? um for i get to be in the position of being able to read the scripts but but here's the, here's the thing that keeps it interesting for me when i'm watching it is that i end up having to concentrate on single sequences in the script so much that I almost completely forget how anyone got there. Okay. So <laughs> I, 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 I read every single script, but the only bits that I have to really immerse myself in, sometimes to the point that I know this that part of the script almost better than anyone because I've been I've been living in it so long. But yeah, no, it's it's actually quite nice because I'm go because I mean there's things that happen that do still surprise me even though technically I should know they're going to happen. It's been completely wiped from my mind by concentrating on this one sequence so much, you know. 
I can I can appreciate that. I I'm even when I'm watching movies with my daughter now, who's going to be uh, 18 in the fall, and I'm watching stuff I haven't seen for years. It's mm-hmm. it's things that I just have forgotten, but they're fantastic movies, and I get to watch them again. And it's great when you're surprised and forget about this bit or that component. Yeah. Or, yeah, um, it, it's you know it's not true for Star Wars. I'm never surprised watching a Star Wars movie because <laughs> I've seen them since '77. But um, the uh, and probably a hundred times each, um, except you know <laughs> the Phantom yeah. Menace so, and all that. But um, it, it is great to be surprised, and uh, I'm glad that you you have an opportunity over such a short time span, you yeah. know, where production where everything ends and then it comes out um, in in you know, I guess it ended earlier this year, but now it's coming out October fifteenth. I think is mm-hmm. is the first episode. And yes. and as a fan, I'm glad that maybe the timing on that one wasn't as impacted by COVID as maybe some of the other uh, productions that are underway. Oh, I know like that maybe, um, they'll be working at. Home. I mean, everyone was working at home on it. I know that. So, and, yeah, and shooting I, was done at that point. Uh yeah. No, shooting finished just before everything else shut down. So like I said, the two TV pilots that I were on, they were just about to start shooting. I had just finished them, my work on them, um, and they were just about to start shooting. And then I started hearing, you know, rumblings of people going, oh, great, and stuff like that. And right. Then <laughs> Probably more colourful words than that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I called, called in for I was meant to be storyboarding one of them, and then... Uh, what was it? No, I was storyboarding another pilot. That was it. And then all of a sudden, I was told, "No, it's okay. The meeting's off." Um, and then everyone assumed that I'd been given more information than I had. And I was just like, "Okay, well, let me know when you want." And they're like, "What do you mean?" And they're like, "We're not working anymore." And I was like, "All right, <laughs> fine." <laughs> <laughs> I just find it so interesting the way you look at the world and and you know the procreate work that you're doing. Um, Especially, you know, and it was funny because you were talking about these wild dreams that you were having. You know, when I look at some of the stuff that you post and you've done, it's no wonder. Because <laughs> the, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, some of the zombie work you've done because that goes back a while. Yeah. And yeah. I had this funny thought in my head that, you know, I, I draw like, you know, birds and turtles and frogs and all this kind of stuff and i use these reference photos that i've taken because i want to be accurate with all of that and then i look at your zombie work and i'm thinking what do you use for reference photos (laughs) (laughs) and i'm wondering you know back to our point about what's real and what's not and how do you make it believable how you know you've done so much zombie work is is that can you talk a little bit about that and you know is that something that helps to you to unwind is to draw rotting flesh (laughs) <laughs> well, that's not that... so much unwind. I mean, I've had a lot. I just so happened to have had a lot of work on zombie films, um, which is great. Uh, do, do you want to talk about maybe some of the films that you've done? Just so sure. the listener um, can. I uh, what did the, what was the first thing I did? I think I, the, my first one was uh, Resident Evil Apocalypse, um, where I storyboarded that, and uh, I designed the Nemesis for that, which was nice. And it looked just like it did in my drawing, so I was I was really thrilled about that. But uh, I drew that one. Although we weren't allowed to call them zombies, they were the undead and that. Um, and then I did. Uh, what did I do after that? Oh yeah, I, I was on my birthday. Um, I started working on Land of the Dead with George Romero, which was just mind blowing, you know, because 
I remember going to get a call for that, and it was so surreal. And I was like, really? And went and met him and started my birthday and walked into the office, and there's a huge, tall guy with you know, grey hair and a ponytail and massive glasses and huge smile. Go, there you are, nice to meet you. And, and, and it got on great. So I did a bunch of, uh, did two or three films with him. And then I did another Resident Evil film, Afterlife. Sorry, my mind's not great on this. It was a while ago. Okay. And I've actually I've not done a not done a zombie film for a while. Or have I? No. <laughs> but um yeah, when you're drawing a zombie, here's here's the thing when I draw a zombie. It's all about telling a story in the zombie. Um so say you 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 know, you can suggest how somebody died or you know, the the, the easy thing is dressing them up like a cheerleader or a clown, which I know George did. Um you know, there's a butcher in there and stuff, but uh, when I'm trying to draw zombies that are, you know, like background zombies and make it interesting for myself, I try to work out, you know, what happened to this one? What happened to them? And make it, and just and that makes it interesting. And the rest is basically based off uh, human anatomy. Which I'm no expert on whatsoever, so there's a you know, don't go back and look at my drawings and think, yeah, that's how you'd look. It's look, I'm suggesting that's how it would look. I'm not saying that's exactly how it's looked because I haven't done any research on that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you know, the, you know, the skeletons there, the bones are there. You you have somebody with a bit of their face kind of missing, and then it's interesting to try and work out how would your flesh. This is lovely, isn't it? For a, <laughs> Lovely. Um, first thing you know, in the morning right? yeah so how would your flesh hang um if that had happened to you and uh you know what and then it comes down to just like a cool design look like you know what would make this kind of look scary or you know what's the purpose of this again it's a story thing everything's always in service of the story so you know, the zombie has their story, but does it fit into this story? Like, you're not going to, if it's a, if it's a proper horror film, you're not going to have a zombie walking about with a, a surfboard sticking out of him because he's even been impaled in a surfboard, because that's too funny. You know, it's too, it's too silly looking, you know. Yeah. A guy with a golf club, you know, like an arrow through his head or something like that. Right. You're not going to do that. But maybe it's a time to do that, you know. So maybe the last, you know, so maybe the, the humour may undercut something and it's meant to actually make it work better so yeah so yeah it's, it's all about what you bring to it and keeping it interesting for yourself so like for for you you're i mean you, you're drawing from from nature and stuff like that but if you wanted to maybe just give a wee you know a wee twist to things then you could give some of the stuff you're drawing a story you know make 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 the you know, give the bird a cowboy hat or something <laughs> You know what I mean? Though. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like you, maybe that's a good point. Because I did. Uh, I think last year I did a, a a pigeon with a top hat and a and a yeah. and, a, and a, a tuxedo. But I, I think um, I think it's more than that. And I th- maybe you bring up a good point. It's not just throwing a garment on an animal or putting that animal in a chair, but maybe indicating why they're in the chair yeah. and or, or why they're wearing the hat or where they're going, right? It just adds another level to or layer to everything, you know. Um but but you do have to learn how to draw these things in the first place. So basically when drawing a zombie you start with a person and then just mess them up. And that you you remove <laughs> you do, you remove things. Mm-hmm. You know, 
work out what I, I did do a bit of research into what dead people look like, which is never fun. Don't do that. I do not mm-hmm. recommend you do that. I've had to do that a few times for for various things, like some with leprosy. Um, where I was working on it, I did a wee bit of design work for the the leper in it, and uh, yeah, there's some things that you you you, you kind of wish you hadn't looked up on the internet, but you know, it, right. it, it informs your work. Everything's everything based on reality, you know. You start that's where you start off, and then you you go for it a wee bit. Now, when you look at other people's work. Um you know, because there's been a fair bit of uh, other kind of zombie TV shows and things like that. Um, do you look at their work and think, are, are you critical of their work or do you just consider it to be a separate experience and they were it's driven just, by well, different... Well, it's a separate thing, but I also, I know some of these people as well and their work is amazing. Like the, work, the, the work that Greg Nicotero and KNB did on The Walking Dead is just amazing. Greg does zombies really well. Um, I, he, I actually met him on Land of the Dead. He turned up in my office with uh, as a zombie. He used to get visits from zombies all the time, actually, in my office. <laughs> <laughs> so Simon Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright turned up as zombies, completely unrecognisable as zombies in my office one day to say hello. I'll have to link to that because I remember seeing that photo. Yeah, no, it was, that was a fun day. We've got a mutual friend, um, so they, they popped by to say hello. And... Uh, yeah, no, but watching, I mean, the, you've got your basic zombie. There's a zombie can be almost the easiest makeup to do for a horror film. You know, it's in the performance and there's, you know, stick a bit of blood on someone and maybe make them pale and you've got a zombie. But there's some really creative stuff that, that, that these... Uh, well, even in my, uh, in my 20s and 30s when it was Halloween, right, when going out to the bars and that, it was, it was always a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> it was always the most fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, as part of this um, going through COVID and everything else, you did something else which I thought was really interesting, and that is you started selling some of your work. Well, at- at- attempting to sell some. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not stuff that you've done for movies or TV. This no. is your own work um, that you've done. And maybe you can talk through that because I think, you know, for the artist listening who's thinking about selling their stuff, I think it's it's an interesting experience to hear about, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, for a good few years, people were asking me, "Oh, can I buy a print of this? Or you should you should put this on a t-shirt? Or you should do this? Or you should do that. And uh, COVID, I took almost the entirety of the time off from COVID nineteen just researching um, what to do about that. You know, maybe I should try and do that. And I found this uh, this site, Threadless. And they pretty much do most of the work for you as far as printing and posting and stuff because I, I don't have a lot of time in life these days and uh, the last thing I wanted to do was have to you know work out how to get t-shirts printed and how to get face masks and phone cases printed. So I went to Threadless. I know there's, there's other, other companies out there but I kind of just stuck a pin in one and... Uh, it's been, it's been all right, really. I mean, they're, they're taking care of... Uh, I've, I've sold a few things, which is nice because people wanted to, so thank you. Um, but they, they, you know, they take care of everything. And I've not had any complaints, and I've had a few people you know, send, sending me pictures of them wearing T-shirts, and someone bought a shower curtain. Thank you, Michelle. And 
<laughs> it looks great. Looks amazing. I never thought I'd see my work in a shower curtain looking so good. It was amazing. And uh, and then and then Threadless introduced face face masks. So there's been a few people bought some of my work on a face mask, which is uh, again, it's very very flattering. And so they deal with the printing, the delivery, the whole bit. You Everything. upload your art. Everything, and you basically make a a, a percentage of uh, of the sale after after their costs are covered. You're not going to get rich, put it that way. Like everything else, I, I will include a link to your store so people can go right. take a look and see Thank what's you. available and what they can do. But um, would, would you recommend others consider this, having been through it? Um, you, just, it's, you just do very little, uh, which is actually really nice. You, have, you, you get your artwork. I mean, I've got a huge bank of all my, my, my sketches I did on my iPad Pro over the past couple of years that... Um, my 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 winding down and warming up sketches and uh, some some of them are more suited to being on t-shirts and stuff than others. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, you're let's say you're not going to make a fortune out of it. Um, I, I didn't sell anything for a long time on it, and then I managed to post it. I posted a few links again, and actually not that long ago, uh, people started buying stuff and. Uh, but really, you're, it's uh, and I mean, in order, in order to, I mean, purely on a practical side of it, in order for them to keep this stuff reasonably priced, you are, you are not going to make a, you know, you can't retire on this or even call it an income. But it's nice. <laughs> it's, it's nice. It's more just the fact that folk are wanting to wear my stuff, which I, which I quite like. You know, would you ever consider like doing prints and doing something more custom where you've got a limited print that you do on some really nice paper that maybe is signed or whatever the case would you consider stuff like that i would yeah or have you no i mean i have and i would but um it would it would honestly just be a matter of the time and it because the the scary thing about that put me off doing this in the first place was just how much work is it going to be well i know people that um i know artists that they do they do commissions and they do all this, you know, my my, my uh, you know, they do prints and they print it off themselves and sign it, and they have a post office day where they go to the post office and send it all off to everyone. And I don't have I don't have time for that. I don't have I don't have anywhere near enough time for that. I work twelve fourteen hours a day, and I've got three kids. It's uh, it's not some you know. So so basically, that's what that's why like a, a company that takes care of it. All. I'm looking into a few other places, um, but just. Talk, talking to other artists to see what they recommend, and looking into a few other places that basically I don't have to do. I don't have to do that much work to actually make it happen because I, I don't have the time for it, and I also don't have a printer to print off <laughs> to print off stuff. But uh, right, yeah, maybe one day, maybe one day. Do you think there's? Um, I mean, it, it. You don't get a lot, right? When when you make a sale through this, I feel like there should almost be a, and maybe there exists a better service that allows artists to publish their work without it being a big effort for the artist. And maybe that you know you could pull in more income than you know a few percentage points on it. There may well be. Um, if anyone knows of any, let us know. Uh, because it'd be very, I'm sure there's more than just me that's interested to find out. There's a company called Inprint that someone suggested to me. I signed up for that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into that. It's you know, especially in a time when you know a lot of people are out of work or they're waiting to go back to work and stuff. Um, I didn't, I really didn't expect that many, that many sales on it anyway. 
uh, because people don't have a lot of spare cash. The masks have done okay. Um, when, I, when I say okay, I think I've sold three of them, maybe four. <laughs> but, um, but that's okay considering compared to what I was I was <laughs> I was selling before on other stuff, other than the shower curtain. Right. But yeah, no, there should be because I'm, I'm not criticising the site that I use um, because they're pretty much, as far as I can see, all like that, and it's very understandable because they have to. They have to be able to survive. They're a company, you know. I get it. Uh, but there has right. to be something out there somewhere that would maybe do a lot of the, the legwork for you, and then you just sign it, and it's able to be sent off. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm still looking. I'm still looking into that. Well, we'll have to uh, keep in touch. I'm I'm going to be I'm starting up an Etsy shop as well as a Shopify. All right. Um, to sell my work, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be. You know, I don't expect a high amount of traffic, and if I do, that's great. But uh, I'm going to be getting them printed here in Ottawa, and then just uh, mailing them out myself. Yeah, and uh, yeah. we'll we'll see how that goes. But um, it's 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 a challenge trying to find a way to deliver material and mm-hmm. to, to well to print and deliver and you know generate some income being an artist, right? And for me, it's just part time. For you, it's I guess it would part. It would be part time relative to all the other work that you're doing, but it is hard to kind of monetize it. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, and, and and I mean, well done to the people that have done well doing it because uh, I mean, I've I've seen some people that you know they get Kickstarters and Patreons and stuff like that, which have done really well. Um, there's a, there's a few people that I know online, um, artists that it's. I mean, yeah, they've, they've done fantastically well. But I just have the feeling that if I was to do something like that, it wouldn't be worth it. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if people want to buy my stuff. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah. In the last episode you were on, you were talking about a personal project that you had thought about. Have you? Have you? I, I think it was you were talking about. Uh, you had a, a movie, um, a concept that you were thinking about for yourself. Um, have you thought anything more about that? Yeah, no, I'm still working on that. I think of uh, it's, it's something that it, it keeps coming and going from my head. But yeah, and I, there's a lot of stuff that I was trying to kind of uh, return to during the time off in between, you know, chasing kids for homework and trying to trying to keep them sane. Um, but uh, yeah, no, there's there's a lot. I've, I've always got some of my own about two or three of my own things juggling up in the air. Would you consider a Kickstarter with some of that stuff? Maybe I don't. I don't know. I really because um, I mean, right, right now, uh, if I was trying to make a short film, I think I'll wait until I see how actually things are going to turn out over the next couple of months. Because being able to actually film something right now, the the, the big studios are still trying to work out how to do it. You know. So I've just I've been working on my I've been working on writing stuff and maybe doing a few redesigns for it and things like that. I actually had thought about uh, at one point of the lockdown I had thought about using Procreate to and um, maybe iMovie to just actually kind of keyframe and in one of my short films in its entirety just to see how it would work. But uh, I just I just never bothered. <laughs> I thought grand plan. It was like, oh, I should do that, <laughs> right. and it lasted about two days. And I was like, all right. And then something else came up, and I had to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now back to the Kickstarter. You were involved with a Kickstarter project, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. You uh, for uh, with Maddie. Yeah, Maddie. Once upon a time in the future with Duncan Jones and Alex DeCampi. Yeah, 
I've uh, yeah, I've, I've known them both for a few years online. Duncan, I've known it must be close to about ten years just chatting to them online, and uh, we'd we'd always talked about trying to work together on something. And this this was this was completely different from any any film stuff and things. So um, he asked me to to do a a stretch goal thing for the it got fully funded and then went on some more but i was i was a reward <laughs> there's a thought <laughs> um my artwork was a reward for i think it was three hundred and fifty thousand dollars so right. I, I i did i started off he asked me to do something he was he had an idea for what he wanted or they had an idea for what they wanted me to do um and i started off doing it but i just felt it wasn't it wasn't quite working for me it wasn't it wasn't quite happening for me i did it and it was the drawing was fine i was happy with it but um i wanted to do something a wee bit more kind of graphic and uh a kind of simple image and it and it was weird because it was the first time that i had actually done what was meant to be a properly inked comic page in a in a long long time like a very long time for print, maybe, I mean, you're talking 20 years since I've done any comics. And uh, it was weird. It threw a lot of emotions doing that because it was like, this is this is like I used to do. And because when you're doing storyboards, other than the fact that it might be getting printed in a making of book, but you don't, you're not drawing for that. You're drawing to get stuff out in a reasonable amount of time and keep the quality good enough that you can tell what's going on and also that you're a bit happy with it yourself and making it making it look half decent so you can live with it, you know. Um but these this was like this is going to be seen. This is going to be seen and it's and, and I've got to make sure that it actually stands up okay. But um in the end of it I went back to them and I said, Look, I I'd like to do this instead. I hope you're okay with it because I'd like to just not do what we were <laughs> what we were going to do. Um, and then I spent a bit of time doing the, the the piece that I ended up posting online the other day. Yeah, and it's it's a wonderful piece. And this Maddie project is it's a graphic novel. It's a graphic novel. It's a hardcover. Is there's going to be? I think there's a soft cover as well. The Kickstarter there was only Kickstarter was the only place you could get it from. But I think they're going to. I think I read that they were, I may be wrong here, so sorry, but I think they said that they were going to make certain versions of it available afterwards, um, but the Kickstarter was the only place to get that and all the prints and stuff like that. Um, but it's uh, the third film after Moon and Mute uh, was going to be Maddie, and uh, Duncan decided he was going to do it as a comic, So because he'd always wanted to do a comic. And uh, he let me read the script for it a few, a, a year or something, maybe a, a wee while ago. Um, and it was, it, was, it was phenomenal. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I'd love to work with Duncan on something. I'm a really huge fan of his work. Um, maybe one, you know, one day. Who knows? Well, on a film. We'll work together <laughs> now. Technically, we'll work together now. <laughs> I just think that's, this crossover between comics and uh and movies, I think, is just, it's exciting for me. I mean, when you think, look at things like, you know, Watchmen and even a TV series like Heroes had a very yeah. tight connection with comics, right? Yeah. And uh, um, it's just wonderful to see this kind of stuff happening. And do you get, I mean, this was outside of what you normally do. Do you, are you still getting some of this uh, versus just working on a, you're not just working, but working on TV yeah. and film? Do you get a lot of requests outside of you normal? Um, now and again. Yeah, now and again. Usually I'm far too busy to do it. 
I'm trying to think of the last one. I meant I meant to be doing something for a, a. I have agreed to do something. It's just like one page thing that's coming up. I'll talk more about that at the time um, yeah. because uh, I don't know if the guys launched it yet. But uh, yes, yeah, so, you know, sometimes it, um, it's weird. Some of the things you get asked. That I'll, I'll never stop being entertained by some of the requests that I get, and just kind of like, <laughs> why would you ask me to do that? But yeah. Yeah, it's been a wee while. And actually, you know what? Actually, during the lockdown, I had a pretty big writer say to me, um, you know, let's do a comic together, which I would love to do. I would absolutely love to have done that. But um, I couldn't put this, I couldn't put the time aside from, from right. film work to afford to do, a, you know, be able to do a comic. Nice to be asked, though. Yeah, and I think that if people want to hear kind of your comic history, if they listen to the last episode, we talked quite a bit about yeah, your history yeah. with comics and working with Stanley and, and all the other work that you've done. But it would be cool. I mean, and and having not done it for a number of years, you still have that pull. Like when you were doing this piece, did it kind of stir up um, these kind of childhood memories? And, and oh, it was it was weird. It was definitely a. Uh... There was definitely a time. I mean, the the, the piece that I start. I mean, actually, Duncan um, and Alex both posted the the one that I rejected. I just kind of stopped doing it, um, and it was just it was comic line work, black and white, and then I coloured it and a wee bit of tone on it, which I never used to do. And it was and Procreate made it really easy to do it because I got some. I actually started making my own brushes a wee bit, or uh, and I managed to get a couple that I really liked. So that was that was like, oh, this is this is going well, but. Comics was a weird time for me um, when I was doing it. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't weird at the time, but thinking back, um, it was there was a there was a lot of disappointment in that just because a lot of my work was never. It was always for an issue that was was come was meant to be coming out, but then the issue before it sold so badly that they cancelled the comic and stuff. So there was there was a lot of heartbreak involved. I mean, a year and a half working for Stan Lee and then that never being seen by anyone. Mm-hmm. You know that that was this that was crushing. You know. Um, but they never blamed you for it, did they? <laughs> no, no, it was it was the collapse of the entire comic industry that was right. <laughs> that was the problem. Yeah, yeah, so don't take it too hard. No, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> so this leads well, I think, into what I want to talk, talk to you about as well, and that is um, basically the software and the hardware. So you yeah. bought the new iPad 2020. I've got the iPad uh, 2020 with the the. Fancy cameras. <laughs> right. Have you noticed a difference in performance for for a storyboard and concept artist? Do you have you um, noticed the extra RAM and? Yeah, I did actually. Um, I mean, the thing is that the iPad, the twenty eighteen iPad Pro, was it was a monster. It was so unbelievably powerful and quick. It was that that honestly, I was I was like, I wonder where, I wonder where you could possibly go from this. But yeah, no, it is just that bit faster. That I I have noticed that. Um, and, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're so good that you're, I mean, the, 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 the difference in the two, two generations, they're so good that it's, it's kind of mind blowing anyway, but there is actually, you know, when you're opening up massive files and stuff, saving, saving any time that you can when you're trying to work quickly is always going to be appreciated, you know? Mm-hmm. And it is, and it is fa- I notice it being faster. I don't know if anyone else would, but I think anyone that works on an iPad regularly, an iPad Pro regularly, would notice a difference. Right. 
Is the is the limit increased in the number of layers in Procreate? Because I know a lot of people were saying, oh, with the extra RAM that you can maybe get a few more layers. I think, but have I you think noticed? You can. I think yeah. you can. Well, the thing is, I was working on uh, when I was working on the Maddie thing. Um, it was such high res. I think I was doing like, like six hundred DPI, and it was pretty big. Um, and you you couldn't get very many layers on it just because of the sheer size of the thing. It was massive. Yeah, then then a wee bit of layer management had to come into place. But I think you can get more layers than you used to be able to do. So that that, that was never a problem for me before with the storyboards because you were dealing with you know you're you're not you're not drawing for print or anything. And usually about one fifty DPI or two hundred DPI is usually all you need for like concept artwork for for what it's going to be used for. You know. And and you also went with the smart keyboard. I mean, I, I uh, bought the, one as the, well for my eighteen. The, but the the magic keyboard case. The magic keyboard. Yeah. Oh, you know what? And that that was a thing. I was like, I don't know how this. I, I, I really had no idea what to expect, and I I just love the thing. It is magic. It just look. You pop it on, and all of a sudden you're you're using a mouse. Oh, sorry, a, a, a trackpad. Um, and the keyboard's really nice and clicky, and it's got backlit keys and stuff. And it's just this entirely different thing that you've got. Right. And because uh, it's not really like a, it's not really like a computer, because you can touch the screen still, and that still works. Yeah. And I find myself doing that while using the the trackpad, and and then you just either pop it off and just lay it down and start drawing, or I've got I've got a trick for how I can make the magic keyboard my entire um, keyboard and drawing case. Because the 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 smart keyboard cover, you can just used to be able to turn it around and you right. could make a make a, a drawing stand, but you had the keyboard sticking up. So that was good for me because I need a privacy shield anyway. But yeah. the same, you can do the same thing with the keyboard cover, the Magic Keyboard. But if you stick either your phone or an AirPods case or something in the gap, okay. It completely supports the entire thing, and you can. That, that's it's it's a great angle as well. So that's so that's my case. That's it. You know? <laughs> so I was going to ask you because you know it's I've got it as well, and I think it's brilliant. Like for for writing, yeah. Um, and and I'm I'm the same way. It's a mix between you know the stuff that I could be using the trackpad for, but I still end up touching the screen for stuff that is just muscle memory for me. Yeah. But um, from a creative perspective, it's it it doesn't present in a way that you can use it to draw on but the fact that you've leveraged the same kind of flip orientation uh and being able to throw and i know what you mean like between the 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 bottom where it hangs and the keyboard you just cram a, a phone in there and it just stops it from rotating yeah you're, you're um, I've, I've actually i started using it was an old um is it? an old square i was going to show you there but it's, this is a video podcast <laughs> 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 I need more coffee. Um, I just started using an old square iPod Nano because it fit down there perfectly. And then it was actually like a guy called Joe on Twitter mentioned it to me. Um, thank you, Joe. It saved my life. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely fine. It's a really nice angle. Um, the the only you know the only thing is if you have to type something, you just go like, and turn it around again because it's right. still it's still kept technically connected to the keyboard. But I do a yeah. lot of typing um, when I'm when I've got to letter up like eighty ninety pages of storyboards. Uh, right. it it really yeah I love it absolutely love it. and I, and I'm and I'm just blown away by how little time it took to to actually adjust to it. I mean, there's almost that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, there's no adjustment time whatsoever because I was like, okay, so I've got this and I put this on here and it popped on 
and I, and I was like, right, time. Oh no, it's great. You know, yeah, very impressed. I was very impressed. Very pleased. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you um, with Procreate. You mentioned brushes, mm. and I had uh, Max Ulichny on the show a few episodes ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. He sells a lot of his brushes, right? Yeah. Would you ever consider selling your brushes? Because he seems to have really done well there. Would you consider selling some Rob McCollum, you know, concept maybe. artists? Yeah, maybe. Brushes? It's another thing for me. I need, I need, I need people. I need people to do things for me. <laughs> I'll get my, I'll get my people into. Because um. <laughs> I know he's, he's done quite well there, yeah. and and but he also had the challenge where um, somebody was selling. His brushes, um, yeah, no, stolen I've, his brushes. I've seen that a lot online. Um, yeah, Mac, Mac, Max is great, really great artist, and his brushes are are, are just witchcraft at times. Those those watercolor <laughs> ones, yeah, amazing. the new ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, maybe. Um, I, I've I've made this one brush. I find the entire time that I have been on. Um, working on the the iPad Pro since uh, since the first one came out, I've always been searching for the perfect brush, and uh, I still don't really know that much about making it. But I seem to have somehow made a brush that I am happy with. It's it's kind of a cross between a pencil and a nib pen. But if you make it big, then it also becomes a watercolor one somehow. I don't know what I did. That's it. I'm still I'm still learning, right? <laughs> So that was it was kind of a happy accident, and I was like, "Hey, I'm not going to fix this anymore. This is a good brush. I'll just use that one." Um, but it's it's a good kind of all in one. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But I, I can understand this pain because I have, uh, you know, you're searching for say speciality brushes like uh, you know like broken glass brushes, which are just you need a brush to just throw down something really quickly. Um, and I did a wee. <laughs> It's funny that I say you need a brush to throw down something really quickly and then then spend 40 minutes searching the internet for a good <laughs> brush when you could just be drawing it. But right. um but yeah, no, there's there's a lot of websites out there where you'll see people I mean when you, I mean you get to know the market of of brushes for sale and good you know, the good people that make them. You get to recognise people's brushes on other sites and it must be a nightmare. You know, it's it's really not cool because you have something that is essentially uh, a very easily transferable digital item, right? And uh, it's very hard to control that. And you're just basically going on people not being bad guys, you know. It's too bad there isn't. Um, you know, I think it may have to come at some point. Maybe not, but Procreate would have some kind of licensing uh, framework within the app that allows you to to sell your brushes and yeah, protect the licensing. Actually, that'd be a good idea. Procreate brush store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is a bit more controlled because I, you know, I for one, if you if you put out even like six brushes as a storyboard concept artist and all the stuff that you've done, I would buy it in a second. Like, oh, that's, you know, because it's it's like any other tool, right? If I buy your brushes, that makes me a better artist. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how it works. That's how brushes right. work. Yeah, it's what brush and did you I, use? Well, it was a magical one. The thing is with digital ones, actually, you know, sometimes you see a brush, and I'll find myself actually saying. Well, I'm really sorry, but what brush did you use? Because that's a really cool brush. But then it does just come down to the fact that you instantly become good if you buy good brushes. <laughs> well, it's, and, you know, the, there have been other brush packs that I've bought that are, you know, I, I bought them and I'm thinking this just not any better than what I had. But others, yeah. like, you know, the Max pack, uh, the watercolor yeah. ones he put out, I think it was January. 
they are magic, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, th- there are brushes, like I use the, I think it's by default in, in Procreate's Peppermint, is, is it's like a, a pencil, right? And I use that as the beginning sketch for everything that I do. Yeah. But I still end up either falling back to airbrushes, um, and I don't know, like, so maybe back to the, the UFOs and everything you were doing, like, what are you using airbrushes for stuff like that or is um it- usually usually the, air, the airbrush is like one of the last things i do for the the kind of lighting layer for painting i just kind of use the kind of flat brush and i've i've, I've tweaked that yep flat brush i just kind of tweak that a wee bit um one of them is maxi's brushes i know that one the 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 sable inker clean multiply i kind of made that really big and so i've tweaked your brush max sorry uh, <laughs> I, I make i make that really big and then just mess around with it so that it does stuff right i tend not to get too fancy i mean that's the thing you end up really end up just using about one or two brushes there's one or there's some that you might use now and again like i bought this uh some of someone did these uh sergeant brushes that that mimic his brushes and they're absolutely amazing but they're not right for everything you know if you're trying to make something look really painterly then fine but um for something like uh, when you're when you're painting over a photograph you're trying to make it look similar to to make it look like it matches the rest of the photograph but i'll I'll usually use like the airbrush for like diffused light and stuff like that and then uh and then go in and usually erase most of it because that's that's what i do but it's just part of my my technique of doing things yeah it's just one or two brushes like i remember i bought uh aaron blaze uh he has some photoshop brushes so i bought those which you can import into procreate Mm -hmm. and i bought them because um i wanted elephant skin and ferns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he has those two brushes as part of other packs, and it's like, okay. And um, I think I've used them once, but they're there if I need them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you, if you want an elephant and ferns, you're laughing. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so keep that in mind. I think that, uh, you know, if you were to end up developing some of your favorites and uh, modifying things and um, having these brushes available, I think that would be an interesting uh, venture. Yeah, well done. Uh, is making those available. I think that would. There's so many people using Procreate now, and it's, uh, you know, in speaking to you and speaking to Max and so many other people, it's it really has changed the industry. I think in being able mm-hmm. to turn around things so quickly, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, can you talk about anything that's coming up? Um, you know, beyond the fact that Discovery is going. Uh, <laughs> is being released October 15th. Is there any other projects that uh, you can talk about? Maybe not. Um, I don't think there is. I don't think there is. I don't, like, no. No, I probably, I probably can't mention a, a, a few of the things that I did um, before the, the shutdown. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to see, to see Discovery. It's, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how some of the things turned out. And it's and you know no, knowing what happens, it's really cool. <laughs> Just on the discovery bit, I really uh, I really like that photo you posted with you in the in the captain's chair. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I think that if you if if it ever failed, um, you know, with with this whole art thing that you're doing, you could always be a captain. Yeah, <laughs> you suited the part. I'd I'd like to be the guy that keeps the chair warm and the captain's not there, and then <laughs> then the captain comes in and I just go all right and get out and go and walk away with the. Holding an iPad. <laughs> as long as you don't have a red shirt, you'll be safe, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> no, that would be funny. It's like sitting in a red shirt in the captain's chair and he comes out and then just keel over. 
that's it. So I wanted to ask you as well, which I didn't last time, is, you know, when you look at, because you follow Instagram and Twitter and all these other artists, and, and they follow you as well, what, what art, uh, what artists, uh, what movies have you really interested that, that you've, you've seen some of the work and you're thinking, that's really innovative stuff, or that's really compelling work that they're doing right now? And, and uh, you know, we're not going to single people out. Yeah. And, but... I mean, we do want to single people out, but I don't want to neglect <laughs> yeah, everyone. But so many. If, right, I'll start off by saying that if I'm following you on Twitter and Instagram, it's because I like your work. Do not get offended if I don't mention you. Okay. Um, I really like. Uh, oh God, so there are so many though. Um, I, I love Bill Sienkiewicz's work. Um, comment on the comic side of it. Uh, Duncan Figredo, Sean Phillips, uh, Jamie McKelvey does really good stuff. Um, who else? Callum Alexander Watt is amazing. We we, we kind of started off drawing for two thousand AD around the same Judge Dredd around the same time. I never I've never met him, but we we, okay. we we know each other that way. Um, Wayne Hag is a concept artist who I met on a on a on a job about twelve years ago um, down in LA. And we've stayed in touch. Um, his, his stuff's phenomenal. Um, see, there's certain people whose work I like, but I've never bothered working out how to pronounce their, their username. Right. <laughs> do you know that way you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, what we'll do is we'll go through we'll go through some of those, and I'll, I'll you know people don't have to worry that if they didn't note the names, um, but I'll include links in the show notes to their uh, to okay. the profiles and okay. um, I can, and I can it, try and send you a list of people that I like rather than just trying to ra- rattle a few off but yeah I'll, I'll send Rob's list of people to watch or something <laughs> <laughs> that would be good I think um, I, I I think it's all part of discovery right and it's it's you know seeing this other work and being inspired by it like I've you know I've some of the work I've done has been inspired by watching you and what you're posting as well where I tend to you know, maybe I'm not drawing a chipmunk today. I'm drawing some kind of weird alien shape. I did this weird um, dinosaur being thing mm. uh, a few months ago on my iPad, and I was inspired by the work that you had done. Mm. Um, and so I think for people to follow other artists and outside of their kind of comfort zone is is always exciting. So, And I know that the names you'll send will be something that you've, because of work they've posted recently and as i say it's not going to be a complete list yeah no not at all i mean i've already thought of like i mean that there's there's max's stuff that we talked about before and there's there's raf who's uh who's who's great as well i'll send you i'll send you links to their their things and you can put it up but yeah i don't offend anyone because i do love so many artists and um but like i think i said last week you know some days it can be a bad thing because if you're feeling like tired and maybe it's the drawing's not going too well it can be the worst thing in the world to look at other people's artwork because then you're like oh god i'm terrible but everyone gets it that's the thing that was just my day for it you know um but and you know some days some it it kind of depends on who you whose stuff you look at on certain days can um affect or inspire you more it's nice to be inspired getting negatively affected by it isn't the best, but that's just right. the, the artist part of your brain messing with you, you know? Well, I've got, I'm doing October again this year, which is a drawing a day in yeah. uh, October. And uh, I always try and avoid Instagram and Twitter until I've done my piece for that day because yeah. I don't want to be influenced yeah, no, by anyone else. It's so, my favorite thing I ever did on that was, I think it was like snow or something like that. And I basically just, did, well, initially I posted a blank page 
It was just all white. <laughs> and then I just did one that was like wee footprints going up the page and someone in the distance. And a lot of people seemed to like that one. It was just more I didn't have a lot of time. But I, I, I try to do Inktober, but I usually get maybe about two or three days into it and then just forget that I'm doing it. One day, one, 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 one month I'll do it all, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's fun. I think um, I didn't, I, I'm going to try and get Jake Parker on the, on the podcast, but uh, last year I found some of the words were a bit too explicit. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I need more bandwidth. Like if you just, like last year, one of the words I think was dragon. Um, but I like something a little bit more like, you know, happy or yeah. tree or something like that. But dragon is too explicit. And I had done a dragon the previous year. And so it was like, uh, there's a couple of words that I think I just, it, last year was harder for me than the first year, but I'm going to yeah. do it again this year. Yeah, it's, This it's, year I was actually well, thinking of, of doing it all on one big piece of paper using well, actual ink, but that's probably crazy, crazy talk. I don't know if I could pull that <laughs> off, <laughs> but I thought of 31 images on a big piece of paper, but I don't know. We'll see. That'd be cool. Yeah. So, it, you know, in talking through this, I always like to ask for homework at the end. Um, I don't know if you, especially with everything that's happened in the last few months, um, what thoughts would you have for somebody who's a young artist or maybe a, a person like me who's hitting art late in life? Do you have any suggestions or ideas of how we can improve our craft? Work at it. Work hard. It's not always going to be easy. You're, you're, I mean, you're going to have days, everyone has days where it's just awful and you're just convinced that you're absolutely terrible and we all get it. Um, the only person that you have to feel you have to compete with is yourself yesterday. That's that's the thing. I mean, it, it sounds like one of those quotes that you'd get on a photograph of two seagulls flying over a cliff or something like that but <laughs> it, is, it is true it's like it's so especially these days it's so kind of scrambly and a wee bit competitive and oh I'm you know because when, when I was when I was starting out you didn't have like Instagram and there was no Twitter and posting stuff and you know you didn't know you could post something and get like 150,000 people could see it and like it and comment on it and be inspired by it. You know, you did it. Right. You decided if you liked it and you maybe showed your mum <laughs> or you showed some of your friends or something like that. There was no outlet for that. It became a portfolio piece that you were going to use to get work, hopefully. But these days, I mean, the whole thing on, uh, there was a thing on Twitter that was... Was it nobody, nobody artist or something like yeah, that? It's, yeah, that. I, had a, I, I understand the reasoning behind it, but it, right. the wording of the hashtag bothered me, and I got into some very long discussions with people, um, longer than I would usually give something like that, but I was trying to explain that the whole nobody artist thing isn't cool. That's You're not a nobody. You're just somebody right. that doesn't have, like... I think it was like under 10. I don't have 10,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, so you're just don't, don't, you know, likes do not mean you're good. There's some people out there who are like, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and I wouldn't particularly rate them. I mean, good, good on them, but I wouldn't particularly rate them as being very great at art. They do they seem to be very good at one or two things. Right. So likes and standing on social media are not 
an indication of how good you are or what you will become. You get better all the time if you work at it. It's like, it's like anything, practice and learn, learn to draw from life as much as possible and you get, I mean, I'm, I'm going on a total rant now, but these, all these, you know, my, my, my daughter's learning to draw and she comes and she asks me questions and stuff and she's drawing a lot from YouTube and things and there's YouTube videos on how to draw, let's say how to draw a face or how to draw an eye mm-hmm. and then they're drawing a stylized eye and right. In order to draw, as like in order for, let's say, a cartoonist to draw something, you have to learn how that thing works in real life, and able to take shortcuts to suggest how it works in real life. Um, so these videos and stuff about you know how to draw a manga eye. Now manga eyes are so stylized to begin with that you're basically learning to draw how they learn to draw an eye. They may learn to draw an eye because it says manga eye, they learn to draw that from reading a comic. Right? Right. You have eyes, sit and draw your own eyes. Right. You have a face, sit and draw your face. Everyone has a face, mostly. Um, Sit and draw your own face. There's photographs out there. Photographs are, are okay to draw from, but the only thing with photographs is that you don't get a lot of sense of the, th- the, the third dimension on there and learning to crack three dimensions when you're drawing a face is actually the important part. But I mean all all drawing is shorthand except for those those people that sit and spend their entire lives basically drawing something that looks exactly like a photograph and you had a photograph to begin with. Um, but all drawing is basically shorthand. It's basically suggesting things without actually doing as much as you're actually seeing. You know? So um just just practice and and be kind to yourself because it is really easy to rip yourself up over things when you're put, yeah. I, I agree with the whole you know when, when I saw that hashtag um, I, I thought that was unusual because in some ways you're marginalizing yourself and your work uh, for the purpose of promotion and I you know I've, I've had people on the podcast that have a very small presence on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, you know I have a guest coming up and she I think has you know, uh, two, three, four hundred followers, but she does amazing stuff, and I want yeah. to talk to her, and I think people want to hear about that. So, you know, having, I sure I get frustrated that you know I can't link a story to a page because I have less than ten thousand followers, but it doesn't mean that my work or your work or the person listening their work is any less valuable. Yeah, uh, you know, because uh, I have people reaching out, and this this is what you've got to realize is that you may have a huge impact on one person, and it will change your month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, oh, totally. I mean, I yeah, no, I, I totally, I, I I love, you know, I just I, the, the the nice thing about the 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 online thing is that you'll get someone, and they'll just, I mean, goodness, right? I've i just thought the perfect thing when I when I used to live in Scotland, there was a uh, the wee girl next door used to come in and we would, you know, I, I was living with my folks, so I was like probably in my early 20s, um, just after art school, and she would come in as, and we'd babysit her sometimes for mum and dad was out just in the afternoon keep an eye on her, and I'd be at home working, drawing comics and stuff like that. And I remember she used to do some drawings, and she was really young, and she, uh, you know, she'd show me her drawings, and I would maybe show her a wee bit how to do something and things like that. And uh, and then you know, life moved to moved to Canada and stuff like that. I got an email from her um, about maybe about four or five years ago, you know, saying hi. I don't know if you remember me, but I'm 
this girl and because of you I went to art school and you know I've just I've just graduated art school and I'm working as an artist and it's all because you gave me help with and and that was mind-blowing it was mind-blowing because you never think that you have that power or influence over someone's life so you don't know what you might do that's going to set you know like guide someone in a direction that's that's working for them I mean it was it was it was it was humbling actually and kind of like oh my goodness <laughs> is that that's because awesome. of me you know <laughs> which is why when people get into arguments over um, the 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 nobody artists hashtag that I I thought no I'm going to talk to these people and try and let them know that you don't it doesn't matter mm-hmm. you know the the whole like you know superstar artists thing you know, it goes to some of their heads. You know, some of the, and it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's a much longer discussion about celebrity and fame. But, um, you know, I, I, I talked to every one of these people, the, the people that, that got in touch with me to argue, saying, oh, you've got like 5,000 followers, you know, you're fine, I've got like 400. And I was like, but your work's still good. You're obviously working hard at it. Right. Keep at it. You're not, nobody's a nobody artist, you know. Right. Um and as long as long as you're working to, as long as you're self-aware, I remember a a, a comics uh, a, a, a named a named person in comics once said to me because I was I'd been looking at uh, I've been at a comic convention and I was a guest there and people were coming up and showing me their work and I said uh, I said to this artist this writer later on I said look what do you do if you're looking at the work and you know. It's it's not great, meaning that they just are relatively new to it, and because you know, everyone can learn, I'm, I'm pretty sure of this that everyone can learn to draw. And he said to me, "You have to work out if they're delusional or not. If they're delusional, nothing you can say is going to sink in." And it's, it sounds kind of awful, but I was like, "Oh my goodness!" But he's 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 been at this for you know since before I was born, so he knew. <laughs> Right. He knows the business. He said, if they're not delusional, offer them some advice because they'll take it and they'll be happy for it. Right. Um, but if they're just like convinced of the greatest things and sliced bread, then uh, then 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 it's kind of pointless and just say very good. And like maybe you get to that point where you you no longer think you're a student that you run into problems. We're always a student. I don't know. We always it's should a, be learning. It's it's, a, it's down to a deep psychological thing, I suppose, of how. Um, you know, self-image and stuff, which is why when you're saying I'm a no, you know, nobody artist hashtag, yeah, that's not good for you. That's not healthy for you. You know, if you if you put yourself, if you there's going to be enough people trying to fail you away under categories in life. Don't do it to yourself. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good advice. But yeah, it's a it's a huge conversation to be had about artists online and stuff like that. I'm sure. Yeah, and it's hard because it's. You know, art is so, it's, it's emotional, right? Mm-hmm. What you produce, where it comes from, uh, the stories that you tell that people don't see, right? Like what you weave into your piece yeah. may not be evident, right? And, but it's part of who you are. It may be part of your soul. It may be part of a, an argument you had three weeks ago or a loss you had five years ago. Yeah. And uh, when people say that's not very good, it, it's hard to segment that off and think, well, it's, you know, that's fine. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> and, it's and, not just marks you've made on paper. There's 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 life. There's a lifetime behind it. You know, your your yeah. life up until that moment led to you doing this, and uh, and then yeah, God, now I remember. I was at, I, I, I remember it was at art school and what. Uh, there was one lecturer actually laughed at a painting. And you know what? It wasn't that bad a painting. I'm telling you that now. I'm not saying I'm delusional. I'm just saying <laughs> it was it it wasn't that bad. But um yeah, it's it's not it's not encouraging. You know, what I mean it's yeah. uh, and, and it is the old thing, you know, if you can't think of something nice to say, don't say anything at all, especially yeah. when it comes to something like art, because people have spent time Doing this, I mean, my son and my daughter, they, uh, my two daughters, they both they all draw, and they spend hours working on something. And you know, especially my seven-year-old, he comes up and he shows me stuff. And you know, you want to spend time looking at what he's done, and it's not just because you're you're looking at it, but you want to show him that working on something hard is appreciated. Now, life doesn't always work like that. You are going to get people that just go, oh, no, that's crap, that, you know, don't do that much. And I'm yep. kind of I'm kind of used to that a wee bit with my job because I'm always trying to do something for um that is to manif- you know make a manifestation of something that's in someone's someone else's head. Right. Like when you're doing concept art, you're working for the production designer, you're working for the BFX producer, you're working for the director. There's always somebody who you have to show your homework to and say, how's this? Did I read your mind? <laughs> you know, did I read your mind properly? And they'll go, no, that shouldn't be like that, and try and do that, and try and do that. And you take direction. You go, okay, fine, because that's your job. You get used to that. Sometimes when you're doing storyboards, you know, you'll do something completely wrong, or it's not as they wanted it, but they might like it. But then, you, but then they may go, I like that, I like that a lot, but I've got to change that. But... You don't hear that's crap. Fix it. You know. I mean, you don't. Yeah. And 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 that should be. You got to get used to that. It's it's hard. And you got to get used to that. But yeah. You know, and you it's you know keep going. It's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. E- even if you don't make a living out of it, even if you're just doing it for yourself, right. it does you good. You know. Yeah. Well, I'll speak to that. It has done me good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't make a living at it. But I hope to. I hope to uh, generate some revenue. So uh, we'll see what happens. But it it is worth it. Yeah, keep me posted. So uh, thanks, Rob. Thanks for uh, for coming back and and sharing all of this. I thought it would be interesting. uh, You know, we live in the same province, so we've been impacted by the same premier making decisions and and uh, you know, kids in school and all that. So that's been a huge Mm -hmm. impact. But it's 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 great to hear all the stuff that you're working on, and I'm so anxious for October 15th with uh, the new season <laughs> yeah, to see way, your work. The way this year's been going, that will seem like next week. It will suddenly be October. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's exactly true yeah. because it's, um, you know, the school year is starting soon and uh, the summer's almost gone. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just March last week, you know. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> exactly it. It's March break over now. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a crazy year. So yeah. I... Thanks, thanks again for making this time. It was short notice, and uh, we're doing this on a weekend, so I do appreciate your time. Always and, fun. Uh, it's always and fun. Your family uh, uh, parting with you for a bit, so that we can chat about this. It's it's always great talking to you. Anytime. So I will. Um, 
And everything we talked about, I'll include in the show notes. Um, so we'll coordinate that and make sure we link out to everything because it's um, there's so much value in the show notes for people following up after the episode. So sure. Thanks again, Rob. You're welcome. Thank you. It's been fun. <laughs> okay. Thanks. We'll see you later. Okay. If you want to see more of Rob's work, you can find him online at Rob underscore McCollum on Twitter and Instagram where he posts his amazing work. Show notes, including links to everything Rob and I spoke about, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 33. You can find links to all my social media accounts at drawinginspiration.fm, including my Instagram, which is Mike underscore Hendley, where I post all my art. Follow me or tag me so I can see what you've created recently. Until next time, be kind to one another and keep drawing. Theme music for this podcast is Acid Jazz provided by Kevin McLeod.